Hey everybody, welcome to uh, episode 3 of the Trapidemic podcast. Today's guest is uh, a good friend of mine, Mr. Tahir Hajat, um, who's been very busy. Uh, let's just pull up his bio here. So I can read in his own words. He's a host slash announcer, a commentator, a basketball coach, and uh, generally an awesome guy. And uh, he coaches and commentates for the Riders Basketball Club, uh, among other things, uh, involved with Leicester City Football Club. Commentated and announced at the O2 Arena in London, some big basketball events in this country, and uh, branching out into other things, other sports, and announcing. Man, this guy with big dreams, and uh, he's a good friend of mine. We uh, recorded the podcast um, in the Hoop Genius's flat. Uh, so most flat, and he's gonna be on on this podcast at another point um, to explain what Hoop Genius is and what he does. You can kind of hear him a little bit on the podcast, but obviously without a mic, he's very very quiet. There's points there's points in the podcast where the audio is a little bit echoey, and it's because we're in an apartment. We're out there, we're out of the studio, so it's an experiment, and I think it's okay. Uh, audio is okay; it drops out at points, but. It's to be expected with the echo in the room and stuff. So, but it was a good, fun one. It was a fun one to record. It was, uh, it was good. I hope you enjoy it. Um, T can be reached at at Tahir Hajat on all the social media stuff, and I'm uh, at Alex P Wilson on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy this one. Oh, also trapademic.com. So if you want to listen to them in the web player, you can. We're now on the Stitcher app too. So again, you can download old episodes, listen to old episodes. If you're, you'd rather use Android or whatever, I think you can get Stitcher on Apple too. So anyway, enjoy episode three with Tahi Ajay. Definitely just caught that bit on the microphone, by the way. Oh, you've done that. Come in, come in next week for a remix, you've done that. <laughs> <laughs> it's alright, I might edit it out, I might leave it in there. I'll get a new theme song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming I'm supposed to edit all of this out. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm supposed to edit out the Muslimic Reagans bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Alright. Come on, let's. <coughs> Hi, Alex. Hi, how are you doing, T? I'm good, thank you very much, Alex. It's been a long time since I've seen you, sir. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been a while. What you been doing with yourself? Um, I've been very, very busy. You have been very busy. But, you know, when we're talking in the context of how long we've not seen each other for, it's very busy. Do you know what I mean? Probably yeah. sat down. 
and had a conversation. How many years is that? What did we finish in? 2012? No. <laughs> that makes me feel so old. It is old, isn't it? 2000, yeah, about 2012, 2013. 12. That kind of year time. It's a long time ago, man. <laughs> it was a very long time ago. Um, but, you know, yeah. So, been keeping busy. Been in basketball, which is the most important thing. Uh, not expecting. When you don't expect it to come back to the game, it ends up bringing you back. Yeah, well, I mean, you when you left your degree, did you go straight to the Riders? So, um, no, what happened was, is, you know, in my third and final year, I wasn't the best student, oh, okay. I have to admit. But, you know, everybody has life, le- life learning lessons. And, um, you know, I didn't completely complete my degree, still a certificate of higher education. And um, so I ended up coming back, not sure really what I wanted to do, and that's... A common problem for most young people that come out of yeah, university, sure. you don't really know what you want to do immediately, and you are still young. So, um, I just started working at MS just to pass some time. Um, started to do just some, there was in their back store, just stacking shelves and taking deliveries at 6 a.m. in the morning. But it's just a it's just good work ethic, and it was a money maker, so it's a good little stopgap before something came up. Um, but Prior to going to university, I did a lot of coaching. Um, I coached for a few organisations in Leicester, the Warriors. I used to do some part-term camps and stuff there. I used to work with Dave Harris when I was really young. And then before I went to university, I did a year with the Riders, just helping out in schools and stuff. Um, and then got a phone call from two of the managers there, Kieran and Liz. And they said, uh, do you want to come and do some coaching, etc.? I wasn't sure at first, but then I just threw myself into the opportunity. And, you know, I've not looked back since really. It's so been a great experience. Where did the announcing come into that then? When did you start announcing? So, obviously, for those who don't know, like, the Leicester Riders is a professional basketball team in this country, in the BBL. And you announce at their home games, which are, are not a small deal, right? I mean, Leicester Riders has its own court that it owns the arena, right? Essentially in partnership with the council, I guess. Yeah, so, you know, announcing, first off, really started as a kind of an off chance. I was just asked to do some talking over the microphone at a Loughborough University game. Um, it was a big game or something. They just wanted somebody on the microphone to create the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I just had the opportunity to do a Leicester Riders home game. And I got a lot of support at first. Um, the managing director was doing it at the time. Uh, Russell and um, so he gave me a few tips and whatnot and I just watched and observed and listened to lots of commentary on Radio 5 Live all the time so it just felt a bit natural to commentate on the game but I, I never was too sure what people would think about it like I just wanted to for me it was actually giving the players a better experience and, just so it kind of was yeah. just a fluke it was a bit of a you sort of just yeah, had this opportunity to do it at a uni game and then all of a sudden yeah. you're and doing professional games and you do it at the O2 well the thing is 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 you know and like with anything is if you do something you enjoy then you yeah know, you just throw yourself at those opportunities and that was something that I found that I enjoyed so I really did enjoy that first game and then with that kind of stuff it's been great obviously at the moment you're second to basketball coaching but mm. overall it's basketball so yeah. I couldn't be happier the announcement's pretty cool though because yeah. I mean it's not like coming from a player's perspective which you know both playing and announcing obviously I only know playing and coaching I guess 
Well, everybody knows an accent because when you're, you know, when you're playing growing up, you're playing against that imaginary guy. You've got a ball, you're on the way to park. You know That's a good saying? point, yeah. You're talking to yourself. Everybody, if you're involved in basketball and you're ever serious about it, everybody has that moment in basketball. The you three, may still be in that moment. The 3-2-1 where, game. When you're serious about the game. Do you know what I mean? And so you do imagine these things because, you know, there's lots of theories about how you should, how success could come to you. And one of them is, you know, thinking it into existence. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so when you're just messing around, it's such an innocent thing, but you talk to yourself in your head. Yeah, Alex Wilson's got the ball. Uh, Going to the rack. Northampton Stallions, you know? Uh, it's, <laughs> just, it's just one of those things. And so, you know, that's announcing. I'll just talk about what I'm enjoying, which is, which is basketball. And, and I just think that as long as I can give everybody a, a good experience of watching British basketball, then they'll want to watch more and invest in a game which overall helps everything out. And that's what it's all about, getting people to be interested in basketball, then deciding to play, to ref, to coach, to table, to be involved in the back office, whatever it is, to volunteer, you know. As long as people, we have a, an opportunity for people to be inspired, that's that's the, that's the really amazing thing about it. Do you find the kids here, because obviously Leicester has with the size of the team mm-hmm. and not to... You know, by the way, you can swear on this. I don't. I don't uh, yeah, no, you can yeah. keep it. No, not to like lick the balls of the riders or anything, but in terms of like, <laughs> so you can completely swear. It's me, of yeah. course. It's swearing, okay, right? Right. but um, not to sort of whatever with the riders. But mm. in terms of like social media presence mm. and just like kind of the way it looks from the outside that a club is supposed to be, that what a professional club is, mm. the riders seems to be the example of that. I mean, it's the oldest surviving club, right? Yeah. But that's not without his trials and tribulations. No, of course not. I imagine behind the scenes, it's chaos sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But on the, outside, chaos, yeah. on the outside, it looks like the club is doing things the right way. It's promoting, it has stars and it has local kind of heroes. Do you see other kids at your organisation, so at the Riders... Are the kids looking at it like it's professional basketball and really looking up to the players? I think uh, we've really seen a big, uh, you know, a big change in the way they view our basketball team. Because what happens with the brand, it provides an image and a feel about it that makes it feel elite. Yeah, definitely. And, And, you know, to be part of that brand will make you feel almost good about yourself. You know, other basketball brands, they're just as strong and they're inspiring in different kind of ways. I just think the riders have kind of hit it on the head that they hit it on their head in terms of the professional side is now successful and when you have a lot of success people are gonna follow that and with success comes opportunities such as sponsors, um, such as, you know, um, media attention and so on and so forth and then, you know, community element grows. You have a fan base. People want to be involved with the riders. What can you do for young people? Yeah. What can you do for this community? And, and so on and so forth. So it's like, because of that, that, that kind of success that they've had, it really has kind of given us the push in the community and the basketball community for young people to want us to want to get involved in basketball. Um, but when they are involved, it feels elite. But the winning comes first, doesn't it? Because let's be honest, the Raiders win. 
Yeah. Raiders and the Eagles. Maybe the Wolves sometimes. What's Wolves the team? And Lions and Rocks. To be fair, you know, there's it's quite a lot of competitive teams in the BBL. The league's the league has improved. It's improved. You know, whether some people believe it's improved as much as they want to see it improve, that's a different story. But has it improved? I'd like to think so, yes. I think some of that not thinking it's improved is kind of like uh haters a little bit. <laughs> so you know like the way like, even if we look back at the uni team, right, yeah. we'll say, ah, oh, they're not like us, right? But that's just kind of a smaller version because it's not so many years yeah. as, like, old heads looking at the BBL saying, ah, oh, it's not like when I was in the BBL. Yeah. This, 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 and this. I, I understand that. You I, but you have to understand when the when the older generation were involved in the BBL, there was money in the league. Oh, yeah, yeah Derry so Lee League, sponsored by Budweiser. Do you know what I mean? And those were my kind of really, really early experiences of watching basketball when I was, like, seven years old. Is very very early, but you know those sponsors are attracted to them, and you kind of see it fade away. And you stay interested in basketball, even though on the professional element it wasn't around so much, you know. And you see the kind of the tough, the tough times that clubs go through. And so, riders, I was watching from Granby Halls. Then there was maybe a couple of years where you know I had to re, re-engage with basketball. Like you go to school, maybe you don't play basketball at school, but at my school unfortunately got a chance. But then I re-engaged with the riders, and then. You go down, and then I'm, we're at John Sanford, and we see the team when they've got, you know, hardly any fans turning up, and you know it's it's evolved so much over the the, the, the few years. That, sorry, across my lifetime to the point where they are now. I mean, it's, it's it looks like it's more professional, right? It feels more of a professional club. Definitely, it is. It's a lot more professional, but that's what we strive to be because that's what we need the most. Basketball. Yeah, yeah, but it. In terms of financially, it's tough to be a British basketball player. Basketball player as such. Or you're saying as a a club or as a player? As a player. So as an athlete, it's tough to to stay in this country and make any money. It's tough to go abroad and make any money, for one. Yeah. But it's tough to stay. Like for me, for example, I had offers to go abroad, but with my son being born, I don't want to be away for nine months of the year. Yeah. So I'm not going to go to Croatia for nine months and then whatever, or go to Lithuania for nine months or whatever. But some people... But then I can't... But then, like, at the level that I'd be playing over there and making yeah. good money, I'm just playing for fun here. At that same level, I have to get a normal job, like a normal schmo. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like a waste, man. Nah, bro. So <laughs> it's... But see, you have to understand people who live in Europe, etc., whatever... You know, they've not been an, a draft pick. They might not have even made their selection team, but they've made it into European basketball somehow. They still go travel around the world. and Oh, yeah, yeah no, there's all the benefits. And they leave their sure. families at home and stuff like that. I think from a British perspective, you've got to see that, you know, how we're viewed in the international community. You know, you've got to have certain accolades, I believe, to even get yourself into a position where you can get a good agent, get you to a good mm, club. Definitely. You have to represent GB at some point. Um, I mean, you don't have to, but you know that helps with you being a, a better sell to European clubs and all those kind of things. And you know, when the British guys play here, some of them, I can't, I, I don't know exactly what salaries that they're on. But if the clubs had more money, the players would have more money. Yeah. So as the clubs grow, which is happening, mm-hmm. as the clubs grow, it'll be better for players. And maybe Brexit has something to do with keeping Brexit. <laughs> Keep not to get all political all of a sudden and shit, but because obviously we're drinking. But like, uh, I'm I'm drinking. drinking. You ain't drinking. I'm drinking. Yeah. (laughs) But obviously, (laughs) 
obviously to uh, yeah. like Brexit is going to keep some players here because now you're competing for a foreign an import spot essentially okay yeah well yeah so I you mean, could that, that legislation is obviously yet yeah to it's be not decided. been done but but potentially and potentially you're right that potentially could you could be competing with all the Americans instead of being able to get a European oh, license yeah. and in Greece obviously a yeah. European license still doesn't count as much as a Greek yeah. license but in some countries like ours for example yeah. a European license is the same as another European license but the U I don't know how it is in the BBL but in the D1 that's how it works yeah so you know you're only allowed two European players or right. three Americans I think those rules bend a little maybe when you can have two Americans three Europeans but you, can't you can have only have two Europeans in the BBR. You don't, yeah. So you can have more Americans than Europeans. Well, that's what the kind of outlook is. So you can have, most people have three Americans and two Europeans. So the BBL is not actually going to be too much affected then by Brexit. If it's two players per team. I agree with what you're saying. However. But coaches, a lot of European coaches. Yeah, but we also get European players here that are now British nationals as well. That's right. So they can stay, yeah, I guess. But, you know, also for... I, it's the chance for British players to play more if I'm honest with you I want it British might be, players yeah. to play more you know they've got to step up we've got to step up and fill those shoes as but you know, will league. the quality of the league decline yeah but this is now this is the thing that's where our job, this is now we're talking big British we're talking about whole view of basket yeah or you know? will it pull the British players quality up which in turn will make the GB team better. I, I would like players to, will stay here. Oh, it'd be great if we could get all those players that play in Europe now for big clubs and organisations to play in the BBL. That'd be fantastic. But some, the some will stay there because some are like Miles, Miles Hessen, for example, yeah. Yeah. is at high level. Yeah. In I think he's in France. Right? Yeah, he's in France. Now. So he's at a high level club where he is. Yeah. So he potentially can compete for an import spot. Potentially. At certain clubs, yeah. perhaps not at the okay. club he's yeah, at, yeah, but at some clubs in some leagues, some yeah, countries, yeah, he's going to compete for an import spot for sure. Yeah. So that level perhaps isn't going to come back to the BBL unless the BBL is going to give him financially what those clubs can give him. Yeah. I mean, we have to look at really how many. I'd like to think quite a few of those players that currently play in Europe now could continue to hold a European spot now. Yeah. And if there was a Brexit situation where FIBA decides that. You have to be an import player um, if you're if if you're out of the EU now and just in Britain. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that that be that'd be interesting to see. I don't, I, I couldn't honestly tell you. No, it's just it's all speculation. I yeah, I couldn't honestly tell you. You know, what about that kind of stuff? I don't know enough. I don't know enough about it. Do you know what I mean? But I think that kind of to say that really kind of builds my role in basketball at the moment, which is I'm on the I'm on the base level, on the foundation. Developing level. the kids. Yeah, developing kids, yeah, getting them to play nationally, but not only that, getting kids from schools into community sessions, community sessions into the national league team and into just playing basketball. But for me, I don't, I'm not, you know, I want players to play to the best of their ability, but at the end of the day, if a young person comes back to basketball and contributes as a ref, a table official or something like that, I am so happy for that to happen. The basketball just gives you great life experiences. Yeah, it's even more than like, contributing to basketball isn't it really it's a life experience because I mean I learned about work ethic from playing basketball so like I was work like when we were at uni I was working really hard to get better mm. I was working to what I thought hard work was right and then since leaving I develop a different understanding of what hard work is you feel like you worked harder 
Yeah, because you see other people that are working like, yeah. ah, that's what working hard is. Yeah. I'm going to do that. And then you, you so, so being in a big organization like Riders, those kids can see how hard the men work. Yeah, definitely. The full team. So they can understand what work ethic is. They can understand how to apply themselves to something. Yeah. Now, if they learn how to apply themselves to basketball, they can take that away and apply themselves to plumbing or whatever. And be the best fucking plumber they can be. I think that's one of been my under-16s team. I think we've now, over this summer, hit a, a wall where certain players in the squad, you know, have come to the understanding that they might not be a professional basketball player. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, when you're even kids, if you they have, thought about it, it was yeah. only like maybe 20% of them ever thought that that could happen. When you're a kid, you think NBA, right? Yeah, and but it's there's not, a certain point in your life where not, you lose that that 20% goes, right, okay, I'm not going to play professional basketball. You know, some of us, aren't, unfortunately, aren't that gifted. Yeah. We might be five foot 11, three quarters, had two ACLs, and yeah. now I'm There's just, no, you know, so like... There's no equality of, yes. of outcome. <laughs> Do you some know people I mean? are big that's and fast. sport is, though. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. a really take playing sport. That's life. So, you know, when you lose that, you know, some of the, the kids in my team have started to do that. Some people, it's happened to me late, but some of them it's happening early, but... They still really love the game. They still want to get better at playing basketball. And as you say, it transpires to their everyday life. I've got young people in my um, under-16s team that go and do little jobs, you know, like washing pots and things like that. And I think that's, that's great that they've had the, you know, um, impetus to do that. Yeah. Because I think without basketball, my, they have had those opportunities possibly, but I'd like to think basketball will contribute to their work ethic when they're there. Their confidence in having an interview and getting a job, you know, their teamwork and ability, communication, all those kind of things. And that's, as, as I said, within 16, that's one of my biggest, my tagline this year is, I'm not here to just make you better, better basketball players. You're not here to work hard just to be a better basketball player. You're here to work hard because that's a good skill to have in life. Yeah, you're creating that's a, men and women. That's, that's it. That's a good skill to have in life. It's good to shake off an argument or a dispute that you have with your teammate and get over it quickly and find the solution to the problem using great conflict resolution techniques because you can transpire that to being in the office where Joe calls you a knob. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And then you get angry and you're like, Joe, you don't do your work properly. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, that's, that transpires over. But even internally, so like, you're done doing push-ups. But you're not gonna let you win. Like you're like the way I feel when I was a kid. My body and me are two separate things. Yeah. 100%. Fuck my. I'm gonna. I'm done <laughs> doing. Push, fuck that. I'm gonna do more push-ups. Yeah. I'm gonna continue. And that challenge is what makes you a better person. Every single day, you have to challenge yourself. Otherwise, you get bored and you start drama. That's why people watch like fucking Love Island and stuff, because. Not they argue. Lie. I love Love Island. I, know. You know what I, mean? I don't like that about you that you love that. <laughs> now, but see, now, I, I don't really watch much television. I don't have a chance. But you know, with my partner, me and me and my my girlfriend, you know, we we spend time with each other and we share common interests. And, you know, sitting down. Right, that's one of, oh no, that's cool. That's where we can sit. That's down. cool. And it's definitely on like repeat or whatever. It's never. I let you off. sitting down there. Yeah, yeah. Live. No, I let you off if it's like a shared thing that you yeah. share with your girl, and then you can laugh at it and stuff. But <laughs> Love Island, it, it's drama because you're bored in your real life. Hundred percent. Like it's too easy to live. We can just go down it's, fucking Asda and get. You get chicken. so much pleasure out of watching. Exactly. And go through trials, tribulations, but act just so. 
<laughs> Starting so, drama. Uh, we've all dated girls that start drama, right? Hundred percent, right? Drama. All girls. It's that could be a girl who doesn't start drama and marry her on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't be further from reality TV from what it is. That yeah, is it's not, not reality. reality. No, it's not. That's not reality. <laughs> you know? Listen, now weigh in. Of course. Girls, Just come closer to it. Certain girls out there, they see all of this Kardashian whatever happening, and they think that's normal. They think that's how you know how these shows. It's like Kim Kardashian and her husband or whatever, and she'll go away talking to the camera. I'm so pissed off you did this. Yeah, yeah. They think that's normal. Yeah. Now, Yeah, I don't know how quite. I don't know if that picked it up. Because <laughs> you were talking to the side. Because you were talking oh, to the side. Talking talking pattern, yeah, you know, you can move it and it won't make noise. You can move it and then you can. Mo was dropping knowledge. Level Basically, level said, level. you know what? You might have just... young ladies and girls stop watching Kim Kardashian. <laughs> She's not real. Try not to live her lifestyle. You do you. Listen, you might have just dropped yourself, some serious knowledge and no one caught it. Love yourself for who you are, because <laughs> you're never ever ever gonna look like Kylie Jenner. Because Kylie Jenner don't look like Kylie Jenner. She's made in the lab. <laughs> She's gone and got surgery to look like that. So when you look at a picture of her and say, oh, I wish my waist was as small as hers, it's never going to be because you're normal. It's all you Photoshop. You know what I'm saying? It's Photoshop. Oh, you know about Kim's paparazzi, right? What about it? Have you seen the picture where she's got this, obviously her big fake ass and then like her skinny legs? Yeah. Which looks horrendous. You've seen that yeah. picture? That picture I've is taken... Seen, I've seen lots of pictures of Kim Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, picture, that picture is her genuine... Um, a genuine paparazzi, right? Yeah. But Kim Kardashian pays paparazzi to follow her around, oh. so her pictures are at the right angle. Yeah, that's, that's how she And Photoshop to follow. And Photoshop. Have you ever noticed a trend is that when people stop talking about their family, they do some crazy shit. <laughs> like, first they started with a sex tape, nothing happened, whatever. Then she found a celebrity to go to. People start forgetting about them. She found another celebrity. She found a ball player now. She found Kanye. And then people started to die down, so she turned her dad into a man. That. No, her dad, her <laughs> dad killed a guy, ran a guy over, and then did, had a turn, had a surgery to turn into a woman to to like divert everyone from the fact that he killed someone. I don't know. I don't think. No, that's the truth. Chris Jenner, I fully salute you. He You're a business someone. mastermind. She's turned her daughters into billion dollar franchises. That's For what sure. I think you know what it was. She just gave them a, a lifestyle where at the end of it all they had no intellectual um capabilities. They right. couldn't go out work and give her money that way. So she thought, you know what, I'm just gonna make you all into poster girls and yeah. you make my money anyway. Is, but if you're a girl listening, don't watch them. You know, find some real heroes like Major Kill or someone, a woman who's achieved something more than looking nice. Do you know, you've got a brain, use it. You've also got tits in a vagina. So. Oh, <laughs> so use that as well. You always have to bring down the conversation. <laughs> you, know, you know, my um, last episode was about feminism, right? Yeah. <laughs> With a feminist. So now. <laughs> So now you've put yourself on the spot. Sex sells, that's what I'm saying. It does definitely so, so sell, which is a feminist issue. Voice, just so we do need to put names. <laughs> we do need to. So you know, you know T. You know to hear his voice. And we need to put names to the voices. Yeah. We have we have the hoop genius. That's what yeah. they call me. I'm Mo Mo Moonsey. I'm going to be on another episode coming soon. <laughs> yeah. That's I right. I run hoop genius. <laughs> I run things. <laughs> yeah, I run things. If you're a basketball fan and you don't follow hoop genius, you're not a real basketball fan. So go search that on your favorite social media platform. <laughs> We'll be hearing a lot from you again soon. 
Hold tight, the Hoop Genius. Who else we got? <laughs> Hoop Genius Entourage. But he's got a big musical bang backing. The Hoop Genius has. Someone needs to make his beats and rap for him. So no, 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 I'm just a homeless man. That so <laughs> <laughs> they just wandered in off the streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about me. Pick up all the feminists. <laughs> didn't want to put his name and nah, Twitter handle out there. Down. Yeah, it they will, him. they will attack you, you, you will for know the things you said. Right. Yeah. I mean, when he goes, fam- when he becomes famous and his voice is just, you know, everybody knows his voice. That's you know, right. it is. Someone will listen back we'll and be like, "Oh, he hates women." You'll be in your favorite house rave. The DJ will start talking and you'll recognize the voice. All night. All night. Yeah, definitely, because we've got an academic audience as well. Of academics. Of academics, yeah, definitely. An audience of academics. Students. Near students and masters. Well, I mean, the whole podcast is <laughs> trapademic because I'm a trap trap guy because I'm where I'm from. It's a shithole, generally, where I'm from. I mean, that's, so that's true. You know, Coventry is that way inclined. <laughs> most of Coventry is a bit of a shithole. But I made my way out. Basketball was the reason I made my way out, to be honest. 100%. Kept me out of trouble when my dad died. Um, it had some place for me to be every week and goals places i mean firstly places where i'm not the best one there but i'm gonna outwork you like i'm not afraid to die on the treadmill 100 for me it's like you speaking about that really throughout the whole time we've known us i've known that about you but we've never talked about it we've never no really we've never no. because I, I don't want to is that escape though why would you want to talk about yeah it i don't need it as a badge basketball i don't need a badge i don't need a badge to say like oh look i've come out of dog shit like we were homeless at when i was 15 I, it doesn't need to be a badge where i'm like oh i'm this guy look at what i've achieved i'd rather not plus i mean i'm in academia which is generally kind of a middle class place to be um so if you ever talk to any other academics in like a show or anything they're not like me the shows won't be swearing yeah there won't be whatever do you yeah. know what i mean and not just simple things like that but literally just I'll have intellectual debates and intellectual arguments in a way that's just, the, I'm just going to speak the way I am. I'm not going to pretend. So I don't need to have this badge of, you know, I've made it out of this or done whatever through basketball. But if I'm talking to kids and I'll tell them my story and it will help, or teach them about mindset and the other psychology stuff that I work on, they can see like it's possible to do both. Like I'll, I'll speak at teams, I'll speak to kids about, um, which would be great to talk to your kids too, actually, your kids, about essentially being able to do both. Like, the def- being the definition of a get you a man that can do both. Okay. So, you can be an athlete and you can read. There's no reason oh, why yeah. you have to be yeah. the stereotype being a student of athlete. a big, dumb athlete. You can yeah. be a smart athlete. And to be honest, if you talk to the best athletes in the world, you know you speak to some good athletes that make it to where they go. Yeah. They are smart. Well, they're cerebral. Definitely. And, and they're well read generally they read things and they take things in and they'll listen to podcasts from people and they'll take stuff in and they'll learn because at the end of the day if you can improve your intelligence you will improve your ability to perform on the court because we all know about basketball iq and people who make stupid mistakes and fuck up and sports stuff. once again a short-lived career yeah. oh yeah of course so, what are you gonna a, do? i've seen a lot of professional players that have come through you know basketball especially at the level of the BBL or something like that. And then it comes to the latter what am I going to do next? You know, yeah. What's the next thing I'm going to do? Have One an exit player I know, you know, used his time at the riders to study. 
and then get himself a masters and then go away and work you know i know another player who went away and started a new interest and that new interest started to teach you know um lessons and so on and so on and make that a business do you know mm. still be involved in basketball but at the end of the day once that career is over it's done so, yeah. you know you, you you're not earning money playing anymore yeah your body can't do the things that you used to do and and then you know what, what are you going to do to provide? There's like a strange depression that fits in then that will sit in when you when oh, you yeah, retire. Definitely. I mean, you know from having to sit out through injury. Yeah, well, that, that, that but the, once again, going through that process, whole tight Gordon Hayward who has to go through that process. Yeah. Unless his little cotton socks. Yeah. Trust the process. <laughs> and, you know, I think Kobe wrote something today about the Mamba mindset. He wrote a nice big little piece on one of his Instagrams or something and just saying, you know, taking every milestone. And, and this is only about injury, but this is relevant to life. You take every little milestone and see those little wins, little successes, and then you'll appreciate when you get back to your full self what you're really capable you've of. You've seen what Do you've you know come what through. I mean? Yeah, after my first ACL, I'd say, like I say, I was okay at basketball. But when I started playing basketball again and playing at university, I was a little bit better because actually I'd had time to think about what basketball, how I was playing. Yeah. But more importantly, when you're building up your strength again in your leg and you're learning about new ways how to do that, at the same time you're thinking about new moves and then building on top of what you already know. And then you broke my hand. And then I broke your hand. <laughs> that I was forgot about that. That, was, that wasn't your fault. Bro. Uh, you know. But the thing is, just like once again, you know, after the second ACL, it was it was just, you know, another opportunity to build on your basketball knowledge again. To the point that I'd rather now just play basketball, enjoy it and um, coach, you know, pass on the knowledge, the experiences of, of being involved in basketball and hoping that other young people can enjoy it just as much as me and sure. you did. Do you know what I mean? That's what it's all about, making sure they enjoy it. I've said that so many times already in our conversation, but that is literally what I'm about. Please, everybody, just enjoy basketball <laughs> and, you know, just enjoy being part of something like a team or just involved in sports, staying healthy. And it's just healthy in so many ways. My yeah, there's so many trans, uh, trans like, uh, sport, um, so many sort of things that you'll learn in sport that transfer over. To everything else yeah. and then there's that but there's there's the common sort of stereotype of the dumb athlete yeah I, I, I yeah so you know uh, that's down to also basketball coaches as well or sports coaches general any kind of level they've got to put you know anyone good's not dumb yeah. for sure kids come through that door and they're, they're there to listen to exactly what the basketball's got to say basketball coaches got to say because you're inspiring them to, to do better and you need to tell them You have to be dedicated. You have to work hard. You have to be motivated. For sure. You have to be organized. You have to have a schedule that starts from 7.30 a.m. when you wake up, brush your teeth, all the way through to 11 o'clock at night. You finish the local league game, got home, and you're ready for bed, ready for 6 a.m. practice the next morning, whatever it is. You've got to have that schedule together. And you've got to live by that schedule. That means you have to make sacrifices. And one of the biggest sacrifices you make in basketball is your social life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And, and like, for me, being with my partner for the past three years has been the toughest thing about being involved in basketball. 
Because there's time. 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 And, and this doesn't just apply to basketball. This applies to work, life. If you are striving anything, anything for greatness. Doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because this comes back to like the original reason why we want to have this conversation is that, you know, I'm busy, but that's because I'm putting in as much hours as I can to try and, and work awkward hours mm. to try and, and better myself. But not only that, the people around me and the goal, the projects that we're aiming for. Do you know what I mean? That time is... Not everybody's willing to put that time in. And not everybody's actually had experience of what it's like or or I say not experience I say you know the knowledge of that's how much time you have to put in they don't know that you yeah, have to do they don't know that. what hard work they is don't, they, yeah, yeah not, not even necessarily hard they might have worked hard all their life being a cleaner you know yeah. what I mean they, grafting when I was finished university no I didn't finish university it was like a summer second year to third year or something and I came back to Leicester obviously you have that break in the summer you know, most people just sit around, whatever. No, I've got a job at McVitie's Biscuit Factory in Wigston. Hey, and I, I know used about to scrape out with a scraper that you scrape your wallpaper off. I used to scrape out the flower bins, scrape them out, and make sure that they were all clean. The jammy dodger trolley <laughs> tray thing that was the worst thing to clean because the jam got everywhere. But also, it's just like the water, flour, it's just. You know what it's like to try and clean it off anyway, but when it's been there for like a day, or you know, yeah, yeah. get rid of that. And but that—that's what I'm saying. It's hard work, but you still don't know how much time you have to put in to be next level, elite, yeah, the next kind of thing, you know. And yeah, yeah. I mean, when I first started my PhD. So my first year of my PhD, I used Charles to... I was surprised with Alex did a PhD. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe it, but I thought, yes, easy now, Alex. <laughs> but I was... I was, So I used to... I had a cleaning job at Warwick Uni before I was teaching just on the psychology course at Northampton University. So I used to get up at half four, five go and clean Warwick University, then get in the car and go and teach at Northampton University and then do my PhD in the evening and then go home to a two-year-old and do the the daddy stuff. The daddy stuff. That's the most fun stuff though, right? Oh, of course. That, yeah. That, that, yeah. That's the release. That's yeah. like your, that's the, that's how you unwind for the day. You get to, to do the daddy stuff. But I mean, at that time he was a, he was a baby. Yeah. So, um, so it's tough, but that's the best bit, you know? Yeah watching to do the daddy stuff but then once again it's that time and effort it's that effort so i learned to put in effort i understand what function on on no sleep is because i've had a, a baby now you can you can learn that without having to have a baby but if you have a baby you're forced to understand what function on no sleep is because you will have no sleep <laughs> so i'm you, sorry i can't relate i know i know but, you, but i'm but sure hopefully one day one day good. one day you'll get it and you'll yeah. call me and be like yeah i remember Alex, I get thanks it. man <laughs> give me the heads up <laughs> but yeah you learn how to after three months they sleep don't worry but are you sure i bet there's some parents that <laughs> oh, i bet there's some that definitely like four-year-olds who still don't sleep but i mean you learn how to how to function and you learn how to work and it's just staying in that environment of working so if i don't have something let me go and see if i can do that i mean i might get maybe too ambitious at sometimes yeah. so there's some things i'm working on now some companies i'm i'm not gonna divulge now yeah but there's some things i'm working on doing 
But it, why not go for broke and then see what happens? If I if I achieve half of what I've, what I'm trying to do, that's way more than anyone else. And the thing is, if anyone's anyone who's like shooting you down when you have ideas and trying to do stuff, even stuff that happens by accident, like if you want to read the news, if you want to be on BBC News, go for that. If you wanna if you wanna have your own whatever like uh, Young Turks, you want to start your own kind of news organization based on social media online. Do that. 100%. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? It doesn't work? Okay, cool. So you're back to where you are right now. Who cares? Mm. And at the end of the day, even if it only works a little bit, that's still better than where you were when you started. Yeah. And everyone who's doing nothing mm. is going to tell you you can't do that. Yeah, because 100%. secretly, they, deep down, they want to do it. Yeah. While you've been doing that, what they still don't? They're not. Nothing. They're yeah. cleaning out the jammy dodgers. <laughs> they're cleaning out the jammy No, but you know what? Those kind of people there, they're living... Also, there's different circumstances. You know, they may be single parent family. They've come here. From but those people have dreams. Yeah. Those people have things they yeah, want to do. 100%. And what I say to them, because I had to do it, yeah. is do it. Don't listen to anyone who's telling you that you sh- you can't do this. Oh, you just work in a biscuit factory. You can't do that. Fuck them. They don't know it. The reason they're telling you that is because deep down they want to achieve something. Yeah. And they aren't. And they're not self-actualized so they have do, a, an idea you, of themselves that, that people you know the working class is what we're talking about here we're talking about working class yeah salt of the earth where i'm from <laughs> so, yeah in a mud hut next the to the best Rica, the next best to the Rico arena in the mud hut yeah <laughs> the best people in the world yeah well i heard there's some really famous people from commentary um not as cool as people from nesta but so <laughs> what i'm getting at is that you know with the working class population, it's not so much that they have dreams and they didn't know they wanted to achieve it. Maybe that they've just gone through so much and saw so much people, so many people try and try, or their yeah. parents try, yeah. or so on and so so forth, and just thought, you know what? I don't actually care about doing that. Maybe yeah. I do work here. I enjoy day by day. Oh that's yeah, how I mean, I want to live my life. If you're enjoying your life, then that's the goal. Like that's the goal for yeah. sure. If you're enjoying, which doesn't mean they don't have those dreams. What I'm saying is they have the, you, as you said, they have those dreams, but it's like to a point where they've been ha- handed something that's a, their cards have been dealt the wrong way. So, for example, if your, um, if your parents have been divorced and they don't have a good relationship mm. financially, then one of your parents is struggling to support you, so on and so forth. You might not be never be able to go play a musical instrument. Never go and play a sport that you enjoy. Oh, it's not fair for do, sure. Yeah, life's not fair. Things. I mean, we have, and that's the problem with like the super regressive left argues for equality of outcome, yeah. right? When really the idea is supposed to be equality of opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Right, so everyone should have the same opportunity to achieve what they want, but you shouldn't limit it to opportunity of outcome. Otherwise, the NBA would have the same amount of white players as black players. That would be equal opportunity of outcome because you'd balance all the races, all the heights and all the abilities across. Now that so would make about race. that would make a really bad league <laughs> because what you want is you want the best players. Now if the best players are from a different race and that's a socioeconomic thing, yeah. it's not about difference between the races because if you look at other sports that are dominated by white athletes, mm-hmm. it's not a level of athleticism. It's not like black people are more athletic than white people. Although... In a lot of cases, you'd say that's the truth. If you look at certain sports, yeah, but if you looked at hockey, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, "White people yeah. are more athletic than black people." 
So it's same literally sports with like rugby as well. There you so. go. So it's a socioeconomic thing. So that's equal opportunity. A white person has the same opportunity as a black person to make the NBA. And that's great. That's what yeah. we want. Yeah. But we don't want opportunity. We don't want equal outcome. We don't want to say you can't be in the NBA because you're black and we've got too many black guys. Yeah. Or that's you're white and we've got too many white guys. Yeah, like that's the worst thing to Posit- possibly positive do. discrimination. Yeah, that is the worst thing to possibly <laughs> do is to balance it out. Now that applies to sport. In sport, it's really obvious, right? You're like, well, of course you don't want that. You want yeah. the best athletes, the best basketball players to play in the NBA. In work, people are still stuck on, let's balance it all out, let's get it all even. Yeah. And the job should be equal opportunity. Now, if we don't have equal opportunity, we don't need to address the work to make it equal. We need to address the reasons there's no equal opportunity, yeah. which is socioeconomic 100%. and stuff like that. I can't even remember my original point. To be yeah, honest. well, but I, I started somewhere. We Captain Morgan's in. <laughs> the conversation <laughs> for Alex is going awry. No. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. You know. Oh, I know. I remember what I was saying. It was. We don't start. Sorry. Is we don't start on the same start line. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. So I saw a great video about that the other day. I think I've seen the same. I think I put it on Facebook. I think I've seen the same thing. The gentleman asked about. People step forward. Yeah. yeah, That's a great video. You have never lost a parent. You get. Did you think about where you would be when you did that? I didn't. I was still on the fucking start line. Oh, shit. <laughs> if, if he'd have said, if you're white, take a step forward, that's the only step forward I'd have taken. Yeah. But that... Actually, I was still on the start line. To be fair, in the point that that person was trying to make, actually, and I thought that was bizarre because I was agreeing with what he was saying, and he said, well, most of the people at the, the back are black. Yeah. In, in, this, in this thing. And he really kind of pointed that out. Racist country. And, and, and you know... Maybe there were, because there were no Indians there, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, yeah we might have been white with people them, and black you know people. I mean? Yeah, maybe. Um, and so it's just one of those things, once again, like, you know, that's, that's the head start, you know. But once again, we'll go back to this work ethic that you've been able to show and get yourself into a position that yeah. you've been able to. That I'd say that my parents have. I can't, I can say that, yeah, when I was seven years old, I was maybe from a working class background. But my parents, who actually lived in that working class background, like, Worked their way up to the it middle class. After out. that point, I had a middle class upbringing. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, but the equal opportunity is they were in that race. 100%. Now, they started further back than yeah, others. 100%. But they were allowed to race. Yeah. That's and that's what's important. important. So if you're if you're stuck doing a job that you... If, if you don't enjoy your job, you're doing a job you hate, and you have these dreams of things that you would rather do, you're in the race. That's the point. If we have equality, if we have true equality, then you're in the race. If you're not in the race, then we don't have equality and you need to speak up to it so we can address that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Which is hence the reason why in America there's so many like race relations at the minute yeah. with the African-American community. Uh, well, just all people of color in America. Definitely. Because there are opportunities that are being denied to people of color in the States. I mean, the opportunity not to get shot by the police is a pretty, <laughs> yeah. is one that's pretty obvious that should be turned around, you know? think like you know things that happen in the states and so on and so forth like you know when you go over there and you go on holiday you know you can meet some real people who've actually traveled the world and so on and so forth but there's a huge percentage of americans that have never actually left america and have yeah. no actual understanding yeah. that people are different and they don't 
they're not all consent to one sort of American dream. That's not what everybody wants. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And some people have a you know different culture. They don't understand that. They don't understand that some places that there's no there's not a McDonald's. Yeah. They don't understand that you know they don't have access to electricity or power or anything like that. Things that they couldn't live without. People in other countries they're living without those things. But yeah. And actually, some of them, some of the people in those situations are quite happy. You know, in the 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 least developed countries, generally, with if they if they're countries with water and and food readily available, they're generally happier. So, like the the most depressed people, in fact, the highest suicide rates are found in the biggest cities. Yeah. So New York, for example, and the biggest cities in even yeah, even okay. countries that yeah. are community based, like Japan, for example. The biggest cities are where they have the biggest suicide issues because you, I mean, you've been on the tube, right? Yeah, definitely. You're surrounded by millions of people, but you're alone because you, know, you don't know any of them. None of them are talking to you and nothing. Whereas if you're in a little village. If you actually looked at that tube, it'd be scary about, it'd be scary about how many people you'd actually be connected to. Absolutely. That's what's crazy. That's so crazy. you're around so many people that you actually know in some way. So yeah. you probably know someone that knows them or you work in the same place even, yeah. or you have hobbies. All kinds of things that you're actually connected to these people, but yeah. we don't talk to each other. The, the closest it gets is like, I might lean over and read your newspaper. And that's why you can be around millions of people and still be alone. And that I mean, is the opposite of what humans are kind of supposed to do. Supposed to be. Yeah. I quite, you know, one of my, should we say, aspirations is to, is, you know, I'd quite like to live in a countryside area or a village, small town, etc rather than a big city, yeah. if I'm honest with you. Because I don't really, I, don't re- I can't really emp- emp- um, empathise with people who are bought into the city dream of, I've got this, she's got that, you know, I am this, I am that. Yeah. I would rather just be in the countryside with my feet up, breathing in, Manure filled air. Clean air. Clean air though. Except the manure. The manure is good (laughs) for you apparently. Um, And not worry about simple things like that. I'd rather just... I'd rather... Yeah, just disconnect. That's the whole point of... And and I think that's my character rather outside of basketball than it is... Or or not to say basketball, but outside being a, a professional. You know, I'd rather just disconnect. And that's really important to me. Partner, family, you know, by myself, whatever, playing, you know, video game or something. Yeah. Disconnecting is really, really important. A lot of people don't know how to disconnect. Yeah, you have to have another, you have to have something else you do. So, like, if you're completely involved in basketball, there has to be something else you do. Oh, yeah. Your other hobby might be going out to eat. Yeah, <laughs> I love. See you how too. I said that one because it was about you. Oh man! <laughs> so your hobby might be finding nice food, like yeah. And Leicester's obviously a good place for that. There's some good stuff. Oh yeah, we got some nice especially spots chicken shops. Chicken shops. There's some good dodgy chicken shops There's here. There's some good dodgy chicken shops. I could like to say fifty percent of my body is made out of Maryland chicken. <laughs> uh, shout out to Maryland chicken. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, don't, I hardly eat that anymore, and you understand now why your parents told you to stop eating that stuff. Oh yeah, when you get when you get past like twenty five, and yeah. all of a sudden you can feel every time you eat something bad. Oh man. <laughs> I do not. I remember when we were at uni, we could just eat whatever and then uh, just up, carry on up with all life. night, 20, 19, yeah, 20 pizza, oh, 10 pounds, 
But you could finish that, but then that's different. We were burning off the actual calories. <laughs> yeah, we now we just eat it because we're fat. So basically, but even now, like even if I exercise like crazy and I eat like crap, I'll still gain weight and I'll exercise worse the next time I exercise. Just that we don't have that member no, mindset when now, it comes man. to eating and training. It's at the gone same now. Time. Now I have to eat good. Yeah, I've flirted with veganism a bit, and yeah. it makes me feel good. But you know what? I've started to see that a lot more now. You'll see a lot more options for people who are vegan gluten-free all that kind of stuff yeah and i've had quite a few discussions with a lot of people who have started to kind of almost i've really been pro i love meat you know i yeah. could i love burgers problem is you knowing where it's come from yeah that's, that's the problem. problem but the thing is is you get to a point where you eat it so much you don't really care anymore because you just like the taste do you know what i mean and, and that's mm. really careless of us as well, we're not we're not connected to our food, though, are we? No. So, like, I mean, if you I would talk eat to organic a, meat, do you know what I mean? But if that you talk makes to you feel a, a bit better about life, but that doesn't make it any better. If you talk to a kid, how much connection to a chicken do they know that these chicken breasts in the supermarket are? We don't know where they've come from. We no, don't 100%. know the life that chicken. Sometimes had. you look at the actual chicken and think that you know, if you cook a whole chicken. How did that come off? Yeah, of the whole chicken. Like you see the chicken breast, and it's all big and swollen and yeah. popped up. It's because it's injected with all kinds of crap. Oh man! When I went to the states just recently, oh, they, um, they've got some crazy rules. You can do what you want to feed. So I, you know, you know, you go there, you want to experience it, whatever, and you get wings or whatever. You'll see, like people get the wings, and it's the biggest piece. <laughs> and that didn't long. come off a chicken for sure. A hundred percent. And those things are. They, you know they taste generic yeah you know and it's like oh, I want to go back to England and eat some actual food but you, you see I mean? even we don't I mean if you look at vegetables yeah if you go, just go to the supermarket you look yeah. at a pack of tomatoes firstly why are tomatoes in a plastic packet yeah in yeah. the first place well they need to that's the food health and safety regulations ah, but like okay stuff. let's take bananas for example okay, why yeah, are bananas they've got a peel though and yeah, that but, peel is like really it's a durable peel yeah, so why are they then in a plastic packet with a styrofoam bottle? Some are not. It's almost I mean? as though, imagine, it's almost as though it would be better if, I can't remember which comedian said this, but it would almost <laughs> be better if it came in some kind of skin developed by nature that meant it was protected and wouldn't go all mouldy. Yeah, I Which is the fucking banana peel. <laughs> this is the thing, these are things like a banana, it does go mouldy and I understand that. We're supposed to eat it's it and it's waste most packaging. What, the banana peel? <coughs> no, the packaging around the yeah, banana peel. You can get bananas without the packaging. Go to the market. Leicester has a big market. But the, on the flip side of that then, if you look at the pack of tomatoes, yeah. all four tomatoes are the same. Yeah. Whereas if you've ever grown tomatoes... They're all different. They're all like manky, them. weird shapes. But those, those get thrown out and put into like pasta sauce. I think I noticed uh, when I, um, we've got a nice place I like to go to in Portugal for like a little holiday break. Tomatoes, generally, the vegetable in Portugal is off the chain. It's different compared to... Fresh. Yeah, it's just fresh. The tomatoes are so sweet because it's quite a hot country. Mm. Prime conditions for growing tomatoes. They are absolutely beautiful. But you'll notice there that they're kind of like ugly food rating guy has allowed a lot more... Yeah, two out of yeah, tens yeah. to come through but the thing but is, is they're real yeah and I think you know recently there's been that show with Jamie Oliver and the, um, that Jimmy I don't know it's Jamie and Jolly Ollie I don't they do that. TV man. <laughs> I, I stay away from TV I hate but adverts Jimmy and Jamie's food something and basically 
they're saying, you know, you can eat fruit that's disformed or whatever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's the fruit is still good. Yeah. You know, the, the vegetables you can use it to cook. Because it's not round. What's it's the just, problem? Exactly. And my girlfriend's been telling me off about this because I'm a bit food perfectionist. If right. milk is like a day out or two days, I struggle. But it's I still really, fine. Yeah, I know. It's full of antibiotics. I want anyway, these people. Fine. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> But even there's an, let's not go into the argument about whether you should drink milk or not. Oh, no, cow. I like milk. It's good. Yeah, I know I you flirted with that. veganism. Yeah, but what I'm saying it. is that, but, you know, from <laughs> what they don't... tell you about the fact that it's, it's, it's cow's milk, I can't believe we've gone straight into the milk conversation. <laughs> the other conversation completely gone. But <laughs> cow's milk, cow's milk, right, is made for a calf. Yeah, it's to we're take not, a, we're not calves. No, it's to take a small little 20-pound calf into a 400-pound cow. Exactly. <laughs> and we're... But it, not only that, it contains, you know, the hormones, it contains... Yeah. Um, it's not good for you. So, right, so but you say you love milk and it's... You, I you, do. I like the taste of it. It's really nice. There's nothing better than a good milkshake. Yeah, a milkshake. Like out of creams or something. But what I can say is definitely 110%, you know, those kind of lifestyle and ideologies are changing and there's a lot. Yeah, and like everywhere's kind of having to cater for vegans and yeah. gluten free and all of that stuff and it's tough to eat vegan just saying it's tough to eat vegan when you go out but when it, once again like we talk about the effort that we put into um, you know our working careers and opportunities and things yeah. that we want to strive and do but like everyday lifestyle choices we don't sometimes that can go to the back of your mind mm. I feel like to be a complete like 100% version of yourself if you wanted to put yourself if you want to say you want to go vegan and you have that same mindset that you do when you're going to work, that you could do that being about vegan. Just yeah. sure, going to the gym every single day, going for a run every morning, uh, making sure that you go and see your dentist every so often, having health checks, being that organized and so on and so forth. Actually, I think there's a lot of a big push at the moment on working hard, doing a lot more to be the best that you want to be in your profession. But I don't think there's a lot of, of thought going into not only do you need to do that, you need to also be... Take care of yourself. Yeah, taking care of yourself. Well, fine, work till 3 a.m. in the morning. But, yo, you got to get your rest because at the end of the day, when your body, when you get old, it's going to hurt. It's going to catch up. It's going to catch there's up. There's certain industries you. that are worse, aren't they? So, like, the financial sector are all about working ridiculous hours and they're not really taking care of themselves. And that's, like you said, it's going to catch up. That's not good. You've got to have some time to unwind and to do something else. But the flip side of that is, you know, like meditation and exercise is a bigger thing. Meditation is cool. I did a course in mindfulness. Oh, that's good. That's right down my, my street. I did a course in mindfulness at South Leicestershire College. And I did it for, I think it was a, it was a six, six to eight week course. Yeah, it normally is, yeah. And, um... I didn't get the license to practice. You have to purchase insurance, etc. But I obviously studied it and got the certificate in understanding mindfulness. Yeah, I don't think you need a certificate to teach mindfulness. No, you know what it is. But it's accreditation, so you can make yeah. money off of it. That's why they yeah. do that. Yeah. But for me, it was coaching mindfulness, and for me, it was another aspect of how to coach. Well, you notice firstly that like the, the players will be calmer. Oh. And they'll respond to, to negative outcomes better. So you won't get shooters constantly getting out at missing. One of, one of the biggest like tips that I give to your people who shoot in free throws, and you're mid-game or whatever, and you're playing and you're tired, you're sweating, you get onto the line, controlling your breathing. 
A coach told me that once how to control my breathing, but I never understood the why. It's I don't know if he one, understood the why. It's the one thing in the whole world you can fucking control. Yeah, it's your breath. It's your breath. And that's what the military teaches you. So yeah. All of this can go, all the bullets going around, all of that. The one thing that you can fucking affect the outcome of is your breath. Yeah. Control it. And that's what they teach you. We did it, we did it with a, an element of um, Qigong Tai Chi. Qigong? don't know you tell me <laughs> and um go through these set of movements every single morning you know and the focal point is the breathing but you go through these movements and these movements obviously uh, moving every, using every muscle group etc helps to um helps your body get going in the morning and so on and so forth invoke the mind and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but you know when i started to look at that i saw how that started to relate to religion and praying. Yeah. Because especially in Islam, oh, yeah, when no, you pray in the mass that. and you're you're praying to your salah and you're reciting elements of the Quran as you're doing certain actions and so on and so forth. It's almost like going into a trance, that same trance that we'd use in mindfulness. You're very because much you're subconsciously in the your moment. breath your breath, your breathing subconsciously is at its most calmest, uh, most regular, most consistent. Yeah form and that puts you in that state of mindfulness where you are able to separate thoughts in your mind um, to try and understand them better yeah and, and that obviously mindfulness is that's what it's all about it's not about solving a problem you cannot go to a doctor although you can be uh, prescribed mindfulness but you can't go to a doctor and they're going to cure it for you they're going to show you how to understand your problems better to help you then think of better solutions on how you can emotionally deal with the situation then physically deal with the situation paying attention mindfulness is paying attention and it helps so many people i mean i always when i'm teaching the students and you say something about meditation some of them will switch off straight away because they think it's like some hippy dippy sort of Mm. and you say you know how many of you meditate how many of you have experienced mindfulness where you're completely in the moment and none of them will say anything because except the ones that meditate and don't think it's hippie. But we've all, when we were younger, on the way home from school, sat on the bus and drifted off and just been focused on the exact moment. Headphones in, whatever, it doesn't matter. But we've all drifted off and daydreamed and then brought it back and focused on the current moment. That's what mindfulness is. The only difference is it's intentional if you sit and the intention is part of it, the part of the discipline that like you said yeah. before. If you're focused on that thing, if you have this athlete mindset, which is the biggest thing an athlete learns, it's not even being physically fit. The most important thing an athlete learns is is to how to find a goal or be shit at something and then gradually, gradually get to the point where you're really good at something and have that discipline to do it even when you're still shit. Which is what happens in basketball. Everyone picks up a ball and it's shit straight away. But you still do it even though you're shit because your goal is to get to the end. And it's the same with mindfulness practice. You can you can keep drifting off. You can maybe only sit for a couple minutes before you're in pain. But if you continue... That progression, then it comes. Bit by bit. You you can sit for three months in silence. I kick myself that I don't practice mindfulness now. It would make me a better person. Let's do it for five minutes. you want five minutes? Yo, it was tough for a minute for me because I'm one of those people who can't really sit still. I'll do long. a minute. However, we've sat still quite for a long time and yeah. I've done really well. I'm just going to quickly message my partner 
just to let her know <laughs> that everything's okay. That this isn't a fake podcast. I haven't. Yeah, you, you know, and there's uh, a real show happening. <laughs> and um, so yeah, so I wish I did do more of it because it would help me put a lot of stuff in perspective. Yeah, you know, it's not easy to. It's not. I can't make it sound like it's a. One-off case in this. Everybody has the same situation. To juggle so many different things, it's not easy to do that. But mindfulness definitely helped at the time when I was studying it mm. to put things into perspective so that I could manage all the different elements of my job or my passions. Well, yeah, when social you're, life and so on and so forth. When you're coaching, you're completely in the mindset of a coach. Mm. You're focused on the current moment, which is what needs to be done right now to address this issue that this particular player or the collective of a team or a squad or whatever mm-hmm. is having. And then when you're, when you're with your partner, you're focused on being you and being with your partner and, and what she needs and what you need and whatever you're focused on. So mindfulness helps you to actually direct your attention. That's all it is. It's just literally a better attentional focus. And you just practice that. You practice paying attention to the point then when you're in chaos, like the fourth quarter of a close game, for for the players when you're in chaos you're focused on the goal you're focused so, on what you're doing you're not you going to freeze and stand still when you should be over there setting the screen officially labelled as clutch clutch that's it mindfulness gives you the ability to be clutch now making the sh- making a clutch shot is different those players are born and I'm proud to have been born with that <laughs> haven't we all <laughs> you but, know? But some players don't want it, and I think mindfulness would help yeah. those players because they're in Understand the moment. That they can achieve that. They can do it. Like it, you're born with this ability to be clutch, right? But that's nonsense. Yeah. That's actually not true. I know I just said it, but it's not true at all. We can all make a shot. We've all played the three-two-one game yeah. growing up. We've all pretended to hit buzzer beaters and game winners. We've all done that. Some of us have actually done it. Some of us have hit game winners. It's but game winners. It's. <laughs> It's not, it's not something that you, you like. There's guys in in the NBA. So you look at like someone like Kobe Bryant, consistently hits game winners, consistently clutch shots. But he also misses them too. But you don't talk about those because you talk about the ones that make. Yeah. And he makes more than he misses, which is why he's he's great. Which is why. But the thing is, as a player. he believes it's going in. He believes he can do it. And he's a better you know, player. He's going to make more than he misses when you're anyway. At Zen, when your ability to be a basketball player, right? You've got to understand, when Kobe Bryant has the ball and he's coming to a clutch shot, he already has in his head, as every good athlete will... It's going in. Exactly. Yeah, A, it's going in, the belief, the faith. But he knows exactly what movements he's going to do. He knows exactly moment. how that defender is going to react and with his skill and ability and his body control, that the, the way he can execute that movement will get the reaction out of the defender. And when that moment happens and he gets into the position where he's ready to shoot and complete his skill, his movement, you know, the control of that moment, the ability to react if the defender doesn't do what you ask what you've expected. that's the point he's in the moment so he can so read well he can read exactly what happens 100%. and he has the counter because he's not he's not you see it when, when you teach kids they do it especially yeah. so they'll come down and they'll think I'm going to do a step back yeah. and they do a step back regardless of what the defender does yes and kids do that all the time yeah. it's because that's what they see on highlight oh, tapes man. and 
they see their they they'll see they watch the men do it. Yeah. But they're not they didn't they don't understand yet that the men are reading the defender. So they do the step back because the defender's too far in front, so they step back and that gives them the room. Where the kids are thinking, I'm gonna do this move, crossover, and wonder why it doesn't work. Because the guys who cross people literally have such a good handle that they just read until you move and then go, or they don't and go past you. It's all about reading, and that's being mindful in the current moment, not coming down and thinking, I'm going to do an in and out, and then yeah, shoot Yeah, and shoot it. Oh, man. And the kids are the worst for that, and bless them, they're supposed to be. Yeah. They're supposed to be the <laughs> well, worst for that, because they haven't learned yet. Exactly. I think, you know, you know, if we were to incorporate mindfulness into, and I did start to do it at one point, I used to, in fact, I used to do a session with a particular group of young people in a primary school, mm. where the culture for those young people, they were, they when it came to sport, they were absolutely wild. <laughs> and they'd just be talking to each other and excited about what they're doing and excited about the, the drill that we're doing and stuff like that. But at the end of the session, because they've got themselves so worked up and we're screaming, we're scoring, everything's happening and everybody's cheering, they're enjoying the session so much, there comes a moment that I can't ruin the rest of the teacher's day. Um, so I'll you lie them down. Sleeping lines, inverted commas. People used to play that game when they were young at mm. primary school. But the whole point is... is You've done an energetic session. Calm yourself down so that your mind is ready Get back in for learning. So yeah. I've really used that in primary schools actually quite a lot with kids that are quite um, wild or just, just they just got full of energy. They're, full of, they're not doing anything wrong. They're just full of energy and they need to just take a moment, relax. Okay, now go back into the class. Mm. I think it's really big with working with young people that yeah. They, that you do it in a way that they don't recognise immediately because they're not going to understand mindfulness. No. Person. no. Immediate. Some will, some won't, but majority won't. And to go and do it in a way that they feel it's just part of a session or it's part of their interest, then, you know. Some of the kids you'll see are already more mindful than the others. You know, like the quiet but yeah. thinking kind, the cerebral yeah. kind of kids yeah. who are just quiet but you know they're kind of in the moment. So they're trying to read what's going on. Uh, and it's important, I guess, to keep fostering that, like you do, keep getting those players developing, getting their skills to the point where they can read and then actually react, rather than just read and think, I haven't got the dribbling ability, and pass it off or whatever. We can be guilty as coaches, though, in terms of putting pressure on young people in those situations. You know, I've been guilty of making the players feel the fear of being guilty of committing a turnover. Do you know what every coach has? Because you kind of, if you've not been, if you're not seeked out that knowledge or nobody's giving you that knowledge, then you don't know that that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Hmm. You know, when you put a, a child in a situation where they're on the balls on the wing, for example, he's got a guy that comes up to him um, and he's going to jab to his right and he's going to go left. The defender gets there. There's a down screen that's happening on the other side. He can possibly hit that pass. Or whatever the situation is, they've they they know that's happening, but they fear so much that they're gonna make a turnover, all right, and that it's gonna affect their mindset, their ability to play the game, or they might sit down for a minute because it's a team game, we're trying to win a game, and it's a turnover, blah blah, blah all that kind of stuff, you know. As a coach, you gotta get out of that as soon as possible because what I've realised is that kids are gonna make mistakes if you start to if you start to explain the mistakes to them. Going against my own coaches and philosophy, actually. <laughs> because what I believe is that I teach a young person a skill once, 
if they don't understand that skill or if they go away, they've practiced the skill with me, they've done a good job with it, they go away the next week and they come back and like, I can't remember how to do that. I want them to think back to that moment and try and work it out themselves mm. before they come to me. And before they come to me, I want them to go and ask a teammate. Yeah, that's what he showed us. Okay, great. Fantastic. The last thing I want to do is have to remind a young person of a skill that I've taught them. Yeah, they should be doing that. When I used to learn something, or even when I didn't, I don't know if it's because a skill of mine has always been to watch something happen and then actually be able to recreate that with my body. So I don't know if I'm just gifted in being able to do that and that maybe others aren't. Which is why I've always had good Practical, foot. But that's not like... So I've that's that's good come down to learning types. That's pretty simple. That's being a kinesthetic learner. No? Yeah, I mean, I've always had good footwork and, and stuff like that because I can watch it and think, oh, that's what not travelling looks like yeah. and then I'll do that. So yeah. I can do the Euro steps, I can do all the step backs and all of that stuff because I can watch it and understand that that's how to do it. And some people aren't like that. But if there was something I couldn't get, which I remember back like under 16 when I was first playing... There's things you can't get, like drop steps, and and the first things you learn when you're hoping for a six foot five guy. You when you're a, a big chunky kid, no, but when you first start playing, yeah. so you can't even do layups yet, right? Yeah, Although yeah. I, I kind of could, that's why I started playing. Yeah. First things you sort of learn is I would plays. Let's take plays for example. Yeah. So when you first start learning plays, you're terrible and you can't remember plays, yeah. and you're just running it like a robot, and it's difficult to remember where to go. So what I used to do was I used to go home. And draw it, and that would help me be like, is this is that where he goes? No, he goes there. And then I'd draw it out bit by bit, draw the plays out, and then I would go outside and do it because I would remember it. Like you're saying, go back and try and remember it. If there's something you're struggling with, yeah, I would remember it. And really, that came out of embarrassment. Yeah. I didn't want to show up to the next session and not get it right. I hear you. Because I figured then then I would be looked at badly by the other teammates. And that was not true. It's part of the reason why until fairly recently, like the last three or four years, uh, I've struggled with taking shots. Until I was at, at Birmingham A's and it was essentially, if you don't take at least 15 shots this half, I'm going to sub you every time you turn a shot down. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I better not do that anymore. Yeah, exactly. I better start shooting. I think there's this thing, right? His name's, his name's there. It takes a lot. Is that account? He's a pretty big in the coaching game. The film Blue Chips was made about this dude. Oh, okay. He's done workouts with LeBron, all those kind of things. He does the box drills. It's his box drill. Takes locks. Box drills. That's what it's called. He has a rule um, when it comes to, to to skill development, and it's the rule of two. It takes two minutes to teach, two days to learn, and two months to perfect. I like that. That's the same with everything. Yeah. If it's that's when he's he's just talking about it in a basketball sense. Yeah. But you can apply that to daily daily life. You know. It's such a simple concept. Yeah. And, and if you when you break it down like that, and you start to teach kids skills. So if I'm teaching a kid a layup, or if I'm teaching kids an offense, you know, that rule there is so important to me to to understanding that you know these kids are going to take time with it. But they need to understand that too because they'll beat themselves up, as you say, if they don't if they don't complete the skill I've asked them to do, they'll be like, Oh, I can't do it, coach, that makes me like no, look, you've got to perfect it. It takes two Part of that is you don't come to practice to prepare. Yeah. You prepare to come to practice. 
So go well, my home. My favorite saying: <laughs> go get home. fit to come to practice. Don't come to yeah. practice to get fit. Go home yeah. and work on your left-handed layups. Yeah. If you work can't on do your them, left-handed layup. If you can't do them, go and learn how to do them. And again, I don't know if that's just natural or something I saw growing up, but I used to do that, and it came out of embarrassment. So were you that guy that I was the same guy? You teach um, me some at once, and next week you'd be like, "Oh, he gets it," because because yeah. it looked like I was just able to do it like oh he can do stuff he's but he's just a shy kid no i was at home working yeah, to get it right that's why i shoot like 98 percent free throws yeah. because i don't want to miss it's embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> it's an easy shot i don't like miss free it throws win games i was that kid though when you're walking over school i'm just doing my I think it's like, what are you doing? I'd walk around the house like, and then yeah. tap the top of the exactly. door. Get the exactly. door frame. From the back of it. What are you doing? <coughs> and you yeah. start missing. No balls in the house, obviously. Yeah, you know all the time. Mean? Because obviously, you're already trying to cross over the, the, the coffee table. Cross over to give people yeah. Euro steps in public. Yeah, and, and then, fake. you know, just trying to pull off your, um, your dribbling moves in the mirror of the, the expensive China glass wardrobe. Yeah. You can. I used to do that with everything too. I used to play the drums and I would be constantly like banging on my, tapping, everything, tapping on my legs. Same thing with the steel drums that I play also. Same thing. Constantly tapping. You've got to practice your strumming. Because you just want to get good. There's there's a thing that you, I've seen someone do and you want to be able to do it and you do that. I miss the drums, bro. I miss playing the drums. I mean, I see No, I don't. I've seen your boy on the drum kit like with the, you got the drum. You know what, that's the first time kicks yeah you know what like when I, I got it out again recently was when I took the picture of the little one but before then I hadn't played for like three years I just had a little go just to show him and uh, I do miss it you do miss it because when you play again you're like oh I can do this it's actually, and it yeah. never leaves you really you just get a little bit timing comes off a little bit yeah you got a bit of rust you got to shake <laughs> yeah a bit of rust so you, but you play something that you used to play really easily yeah something you just played for fun you can still do that but I miss, um, I miss having the time for that Yeah, I mean, and unfortunately, like now, that's not. I really wish it was. I could have time to prioritize that. Do you know what I mean? You know, maybe one day. But as long as you have something else, so if that's finding restaurants and finding cool places to eat, that's cool. You need to have something else. That's just down to like schedule. You know, I work in the evenings most of the time, so we practice. Everybody else is nine five or different kind of hours, but they get there between, you know, four and ten o'clock at night. They can get. I'm working, that's my hours. And I'm yeah, yeah. So I don't get the chance to then practice that thing. That, but you still, once again, you still long to do it. Still, that doesn't mean you want, don't want to be part of it. That it's was good fun. Like, you know, that was great. It was great to relive our friendship yeah. again. But I mean, Alex. yeah, you it do was it. cool. If, how can people If you really want to do it, you can so just find some time. I am on social media. Even just a bit. Um, at at T-A-H-I-R-H-A-J-A-T that's how you don't get um, tired of you know, the thing I'm that you're doing tired of life yeah, yeah like if you're constantly <laughs> that's my goal in life I mean it can be a new point. thing with it like let's say, just take basketball for example it can be a new thing within basketball so you start coaching another team you're growing up at some point so I feel like I've grown up now this is come at a time for a session or you do whatever you start conversations come playing around with social media you start doing growing up so videos it's really really weird because we talked you already have a multitude of things you do it's not the same mentality but every now and then I'm sure you do know what I mean and so it just keeps you going like instrument is a good way to do that like 
Hopefully you you'll see me. Don't have to play the guitar. I'm just gonna screen near you. Big, big thing. YouTube. Yeah, no, I just yeah. want to give it a go, man. Have YouTube changed the world for that. You no, can learn I'm how to get involved. In like, <laughs> you can learn how to. Yeah, you can learn how to make stairs. I'm interested. Wallpaper and plaster. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can learn everything off YouTube. But it's just doing something new, keeping the learning pathways open. Because once you stop. That's when it gets tough. That's Once it. you stop learning well, new got, things, that's when you, you lose the ability. I've to hit learn that new wall things. in basketball. That's the one thing that I do. I've hit the wall where. Just end on that, man. It's yeah. a great <laughs> message. Thank you. All right, peace out. So unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to relight that fire again. I have a complete experience. You know what I mean? And that, when I'm coaching myself, it changed me as a coach completely. Like, I knew I was a, a quite a good coach because I had quite good. Like, to, to say you're a good coach is tough to say, but it's not I feel like just based on your win losses. Because the young men that I produce out of coaching, or the, the, young, the young people that I produce out of coaching, are just good young people, I feel anyway. That's the difference. Like when you're coaching kids, it's not just about yeah, your win like loss. I don't care about the win loss column so so much. I want them to do well, but obviously we spoke about the reasons why we want them You're to raising like you're raising men, not yeah, basketball players. Yeah, so or or women if you're coaching the girls. And team. It, and so, you know, reigniting that fire was really important because now I want to coach them again, but also in a different way, in a way yeah. that I can be more inspirational. way to learn that life lesson and, I, and that's a much more exciting way to teach that life, life yeah sorry I was just checking the microphone yeah, that's good man